0: Gil- Hello! Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Ferdarosa, and this is Gilbert and Frank's Amazing Colossal Obsessions. Colossal Obsessions.
1: Pure polish. Yes. You know that? <laughs> You're like Gerwood
0: Kirby. <laughs> I thought of myself more of uh, an Alan
1: Funt, an Alan Funt type. Yes, I don't yes. think Alan Funt was a, was a well liked guy. Maybe no. our maybe our guest today can help answer yes. that, <laughs> since he knows a lot of sh- about show business. We have our pal, our, our pal bleh, Mark Malkoff. Nice to see you, with gentlemen. Us.
0: When we were talking off the air, you said, and we've had him on the show, and I did a movie with him. Uh, the actual problem child, Michael, Michael
2: Oliver. Oliver. Michael Oliver, Johnny in the eighties, um, early nineties. Well, let me it, set you up yes. before we do. Before we get to that, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mark is the host of a
1: terrific podcast called the Carson Podcast that you guys should know about. In fact, we get mail about your show.
2: Oh, that's nice. Get, I do the same about you guys. Well, that's
1: that's nice because yeah. we're both doing shows yeah. about the Golden Age of Show Business. Exactly. Yours is very specifically geared. Toward Mr. Carson. That's correct. And how many have you done?
2: I think we've released, I think, 115. I've done probably 125.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's a great show. Thank you. It's a great show. And we'll get into detail, but satisfy Gilbert. Tell him he's Michael Oliver. Michael
2: Oliver did the show, did the Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, plugging Problem Child and that was when uh, he was definitely having kids on the show. He went through a, a time period where uh, Quinn Cummings, you remember her? For, of course, I uh, follow her on Twitter. Goodbye, girl. Yeah. So in her memoir, I wanted to try to get her on, but she she was very nice about it. But um, apparently, and I watched the tape, she went on with Johnny and uh Carson wouldn't have kids on for a like something like a year after she was on i mean it was it, she calls it disastrous i watched the videotape and you could tell Johnny's patience were were was it was waning it was really really hard so he it was really tricky with kids they either scored with Carson i mean that that one kid um who was it a spelling bee champion it's like the the, the famous clip he goes on with, with Johnny and he asks he, – uh, Johnny's doing coin tricks for him and he's like, how do you really make the money disappear? You get married. It's a famous Carson clip. He was either really good with kids or they just didn't go well. Interesting. Yeah, but Michael yeah. Oliver uh, – Joey Lawrence learned, I remember him doing very well with. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's that, a classic. He was up um, – Joey Lawrence said that he only got to see the show once when he was nauseous up late at night. And Johnny did the looking into the camera, the direct thing, and they, that always made the anniversary shows. But Michael Oliver did okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 but You never got to do
1: the show? I No. Never did the it, Carson yeah, show. Yeah, you did a ton with Leno.
2: Was, oh, you did a yeah, ton of the yeah, Tonight yeah. Shows Close with Leno, but Leno. never did a Carson. You definitely, if, if sometimes if Jim McCauley and Johnny perceived a comedian as being uh, to David Letterman, they did this did Letterman a lot, they they wouldn't necessarily get to do uh, the show with Johnny.
1: So you were more tw- considered more 1230 than 1130, I think. Oh, I think, I think, think so. <laughs> <laughs> You did a handful of Letterman's. You'd, oh, uh, loads
0: of yeah. Letterman's. So he yeah. used to call me in for those sketches in the beginning of the show. Those were fun. Now, uh, what I found really odd growing up when Carson was on the air is, you know, there's been a million, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, urban legends and showbiz urban legends. With Carson, what was so sick about it? There'd be these urban legends about Carson, which everyone would swear to
2: you they saw. The Jane Fonda thing—it never happened. Yes, it, yes, we're talking about Zsa, Zsa it Oh, it never yeah. happened. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's—it's yeah, just a my myth. Pussy. It's just a myth.
1: Yeah. Just a TV
2: myth. I mean the, only, the the thing that's a myth to me that I only know one person that has a tape and I've never seen it is I sat down with Rich Little in Vegas and he says he has the tape of Dick Shawn destroying the Tonight Show set but I've not talked to anybody that's ever actually seen it I've talked to people in the Carson camp uh, people say that that it, it they think it happened some people uh, but no one has the videotape other than Rich Little and that's I have bizarre. to watch yeah, it. yeah didn't we, you have Dick Shawn yeah Adam Shawn yeah.
0: She had a a cat in her lap, according to legend. As the story goes, yeah. And and Carson, uh, she said to Carson, would you like to pet my pussy? And he said, yeah, if you'd get the damn cat out of the
2: way. Jane, I have seen clips of Jane Fonda telling that story. That was near the... Johnny retired May 22nd, 92, and that was, I think, in the last month or so. It was definitely near the end that she told that. But there are people... ...that uh, are convinced it happened. I'm glad you said the date, by the way, because that's what we're doing here. That's why it's I'm here. It's 25 years ago
1: yes. this week that Johnny... Can you believe it? Yeah, left uh, May and, 22nd. Johnny left the air, so...
0: And there was another story that there was some actress on who was a lesbian. And uh, she said, oh, I'd like to show you, the, you know, the love of my life. And, and then she points to this woman... In the uh, crowd. And uh, according to legend, Carson goes, Oh, what a waste.
2: Wow. I yeah. have never heard of that. <laughs> I don't yeah, know that one sure. either. You know, the first 10 years were erased, most of them. There well, I was are going about that. There are some that were saved. I was with Ed Ames. I couldn't believe Scott Rogowski, our friend Scott Rogowski. Yes, our mutual pal Scott. I, I was heading to L.A. and he said, do you know who's still around, Ed Ames? And I said, you have to be kidding me. Yep. So I reached out and Ed Ames personally called me and sure enough, I sat down with him. and It's he, one of your best episodes. Oh, it was really yeah, amazing yeah, to hear yeah. him talk about the tomahawk. But that was one of those things where Carson, in his brilliance, Ah, uh, realize we have to we have to preserve this clip, and I think Johnny pr- put it in his drawer. And um, it's funny because Ed Ames mentioned that he w- he would go on so- sometimes with Johnny five nights uh, in a row and sing the same song. They had an hour and forty five minutes um, when they first started, and then it went down to ninety minutes. They had all sure. this time to kill. Sure. And can you imagine a late night show now having the same music singer on every night singing the same song no. five nights? I remember the ninety
1: minute yeah. version, and you would get usually an author. Yes. At the tail end of the show. I mean, Buck
2: Henry. I mean, Buck, told yeah, me when Buck they went Henry. down to ninety, when they went down to sixty minutes, you you lost a lot of that. The intellectuals. Oh yeah, it became a di- completely different show. The old
1: days, you'd get Calvin Trillin, or you'd get Norman yeah. Mailer, or you'd get you'd get Gore Vidal, you'd get Gore Vidal, and you, you'd get those Irma
2: Bombeck. Johnny wanted to pick up the pace of the show, and that certainly did happen. But I definitely think I have heard from many people that he regretted it.
1: So a little, a little origin first. You and I have known each other forever. Yeah. You've known Gilbert a long time. Yeah. You were at our comedy writer's party right. a couple of years ago. How did you and why did you decide to devote what I'm guessing is a large part of your life, because <laughs> <laughs> I know how much effort this show is,
2: oh, into doing a podcast about Johnny? He was one of those... F- Figures that was larger than life when he retired. I think that there was a mystery almost like J.D. Salinger when he when he bid America farewell and he I mean he showed up what twice on Letterman doing cameos and he did The Simpsons. But he was I think he did Bob Hope um 90th birthday, but that was it. It was this fascination. I had so many questions about Carson, about his tonight show. His stable of uh, his inner circle never talked publicly. All the books about him, th- there were very few. Almost all of them were, were very negative with people that had, in my opinion, I could be wrong. They, they seemed like that they had a bad experience. But the, the people that were actually uh, friends with him, his coworkers, they'd never talked publicly. And I had so many questions. And guess, people were very uh, protective of Johnny, And I will say the Peter Jones documentary on Carson, the American Masters, mm-hmm. was, I think, the thing that started to soften people a little bit. Well, that's
1: where you, you get the first glimpse into his, his troubled relationship with his mother that in, in that documentary. People have yeah. told me that, people that, that and knew his, him. And his, and his ongoing troubled relationship, I guess you could bear to say, with women.
2: It, I sat down with Matt Weiner, uh, who created Mad Men, and we talked about the similarities with Carson and with Don Draper. And mm-hmm. there. were Definitely. Johnny was a complicated guy, a very shy person. But talking to David Steinberg and people that knew him, if he felt comfortable with you, if it was Steve Lawrence, Newhart, Rickles, Peter LaSalle, and Johnny, he was pretty much the same Johnny that you would see on The Tonight Show. It's just around, uh, if he did not know the person, he would not make eye contact a lot of times. He would put his head down and he was just painfully, painfully shy. Interesting.
0: And, and the Jerry Lewis' character in uh, King of Comedy was based
2: on Carson. Jerry Langford. As the story goes, Johnny was approached he was, to play that part. He tried to get uh, De Niro, I believe, to be a, a guest. He, I think he was trying to barter because De Niro, back then, back then Hoffman, Street, Pacino, they all do the late night shows. None of them went on Carson. I think Maybe Hoffman early in his career before he was Hoffman, really Hoffman. But people didn't do those shows. And De Niro, and I think probably rightfully so, said I would not be good on your show. And But they did try to get Johnny. But... Freddie De Cordova was wonderful. Oh
1: well, you know? Freddie turns up in the, yeah. He's in the King of Comedy. Yeah. Let us ask you about Freddie, since it, it kind of comes up yeah. in 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 the research I did and listening to your to your mm-hmm. episodes and that, that Freddie apparently did not do a lot of work. That Lasalle gets the the, the lion's share of the credit and 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 uh, I don't want to malign a dead man,
2: it, it's but amazing. that he kind of
1: sleptwalked through the
2: job. Twenty two years of being charming and drinking vodka apparently during the show. And that that he was just exuded charm. The, uh, so many people I talked to that worked on the show said he was funny, charming, handsome man, in that Peter LaSalle was happy to do the work, and Freddie just would stay in his office, 80 degrees, smoky. I talked to one guest recently that said that they would joke he was the devil, because his office was always hot and smoky. <laughs> and, Did you ever meet him, Gil? Freddie, Deco- De- I, as, as Rickles used to call him, Dekutova, Dekatova, De- used to I, mangle his name.
0: As, as a matter of fact, because he worked also when, when Leno...
2: Was doing it. Yes, he, he was a consultant. Him. He was there for uh, I think the first couple years. of Jay. And
0: and he he said, and I had been doing these like uh, guest spots for those sketches. Lana would call me in for. And one time, De Cordifer asked one of the writers. He said, uh, uh, "Who is that kid?" And he goes, "That's Gilbert Gottfried. He's a comedian. <laughs> He's been in these movies. These." <laughs> TV shows, he's all over the place, and he goes, "Oh, I thought he was some kid like, uh, like a busboy or
2: something." <laughs> what a, how flattering! Yeah, <laughs> De Cordova was larger than life, and everybody says that if he perceived a weakness and saw a vulnerability, that he would just go for the jugular. Really, and he, and Johnny just couldn't believe it, and a lot of people that knew him couldn't believe it. He went broke. I mean, when he when he passed away. Johnny sent Fred's widow, Janet, a check for $100,000, and he he just, I guess she was a spendthrift. That's what I, I've been told. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal
0: Podcast after this.
1: And now back to the show. Why did they fall out? Why did they, why did yeah, Freddie jo- go yeah. broke? You no, know, why did you, why did he fall out with Johnny? Oh,
2: that's it. Okay. So Rick Carson, I believe, was uh, 39 years old, Johnny's son passed away as a photographer, and it was a horrible accident. I don't think Johnny did the show for something like six weeks. It was definitely took like a month off, and it was—I've talked to people that, that, that said that uh, when he came in for the first day, he had been gone a month. He, Johnny just—that people were worried about him. He got through the show the first night, uh, and at the very end, they did a tribute to his son, and he said uh, a, a minute or two— uh, just talking about his son and just um, this outpouring of love from the public, and then they showed a clip montage of of his son's photography. But when he was setting everything up, uh, and I, I've heard other people that have studied this film, I think Bill Zamy, who is a Carson expert, said he studied this film like the, the Zimbruder film. You can see, <laughs> wow. and I've watched it, I have watched it many times, you can see it for a split second, Carson looking over off camera, and it's de Cordoba. Uh, apparently he's on the phone or giving that rapid up sign or something like that because the show was done in real time. I mean, we can talk about that later. That if if they 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 did not stop tape unless Bella right. Reese had a stroke when she was guest hosting the show. They did stopped you know tape. that, Gil? No. Yeah, they had to stop tape. We I, can talk about those. And moments. There was a John Davidson thing where they. Stopped yes, we can tape. talk about all of that. But so there are people over there that told me it was one of the rare times that they actually saw Johnny really irate. I mean, he was after the show he told Fred DeCordova you will never step foot on was the he set speeding of this night him up
1: again? Through his, was he was he, yeah, through his, he, was, through his he was exactly to stay, to
2: stay on within the 60 minutes it was the, the the yeah. So, Johnny, I mean it was just so hard for Johnny to to do this and uh yeah, DeCordova kept up the appearances that he was still uh, running things. He would go into the guest dressing room, but Peter LaSalle um the last 2 years or so was was running the the show and Fred would be um off to the side not not even in the studio but just in offices and apparently uh would make snide comments a, about johnny it's like how johnny uh fred what, what's it like to work with a genius and he's like well i did work with one genius and his name was fred allen wow that, so. wow it, but it, it
1: seems like it was a strange place to work from everything you hear and you know you had mike reese on the show we had him here
2: well, the writers didn't even interact with him they didn't meet him you know it's it's interesting that you say that there it you Except know, for maybe a select few. Back in the um, '60s, there was a period where Marshall Brickman was head writer, and they would go every every month or so to the UN uh, to Johnny's apartment, and they would they would the writers would sit down with him. And uh, the last uh, couple years, you had uh, Daryl Vickers and Andrew Nichols that were head writers, and they went to Johnny and they said, "You know, I, I we think it would be good for you to sit down with the writers." And Johnny started having the writers. I, I think it was weekly to Malibu to sit down with him, and that changed. And uh, okay. And he he definitely I mean I don't know if you guys know this but in retirement he would have lunch with his writers and his writers would actually give him material and he would perform it at the lunches for oh, for them. Geez. I so, didn't know that. I know he was sending material to Dave at the end. Exactly, exactly. To, to, Peter Lasalle said you need to send this in. But the thing is, is when I was when I was uh, you know when he left Carson left the show when I was a teenager and I, you'd read things every so often about Johnny. Very rare. The media liked to play it off that he was this recluse guy, but he was he was taking magic lessons. He was going to Africa with Bob Wright on safaris with Jim Fowler. He he was learning Swahili. He was do, he was still doing the poker game. He mm-hmm. was out and about. I mean, he definitely would retreat on the Serengeti his yacht, and he definitely w- was. Uh, he was a loner. I mean, there's no question about that. And a lot of people that would spend time with him, like Carl Reiner, would say you never really got personal with him. But he he definitely was was not a Howard Hughes type person that was just hiding in the corner by himself. He mm-hmm. was he was out and about. And what are these stories where they had to stop filming? That is a good question. So there are very few. They, they stopped taping. Della Reese, when she guest hosted, had a stroke. They stopped. John Davidson. Apparently, the story goes, John told me that I don't know if there was a strike or not, but there was uh, there was something wrong with the sound where Johnny couldn't hear the laughs from the monologue, so he thought he bombed, and then John Davidson got up and couldn't, the monitor was messed up, so he he, he kicked, I think, a speaker, and the electricity all uh, went went down, and they had to put a rerun on that night. They had a stop tape rerun that night. Wow. And that was, yeah, That those were two, um, I know that at one point they had a stop tape where a, a gentleman the audience actually got up onto this made it to the stage i think uh carson was interviewing buddy hackett and an audience member just sat down and carson went tried you know he's like yes and in it try to go with it for a little bit and buddy hackett said you know what this is never gonna air and they stopped tape and carson <laughs> oh, was i was upset did you know that Gil? Yeah, oh, that's no. good stuff somebody from the audience and, went out yeah. and sat next to hackett and there's another one um there's a comedian who tom shales i you know i talked to him and i forget who it is the shales even told me but uh there was a comedian that went out that just went completely blank nowadays on certain shows they will have kind of a cheat sheet a cue card for 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 the comedians but sure, johnny and dave sure. didn't do that and there's a guy that just came out that just he he came out like 5 seconds of panic and i guess it ran behind the curtain and johnny stopped tape and you know johnny was a comedian's comedian you know right. he he really cared and he, st- he said let's stop tape this can happen to anyone we're going to do this again and so he was compassionate He was, but then again, you have someone like John Davidson, again, who um, another time forgot his song lyrics. Now, my dad went to 6B, the sixth floor of NBC in, in the 60s. Barbara McNair and Doug McClure were on. Doug McClure had his music on cue cards. John Davidson said you had the option if you wanted cue cards or not, if you were a singer. I was at the first um Letterman ever on August 30th, 93. Billy Joel absolutely had cue cards to no man's land. It was I I very rarely would I ever see though, uh, and I worked in late night a little bit, um, see somebody that had cue cards. John Davidson this time, I think it was in the 80s, said, no, I don't need cue cards for this song. And he he lost his words, the words very very quickly and, and turned to Johnny. Can we stop tape? And Johnny said, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and John, fun. and it was, it was amazing segment. I mean, now nobody does the show in real time. I mean, they're the first ones to stop But it. It's such an amazing segment. And, uh, you know, he eventually gets it. And the audience is just, he's endeared himself to the audience and those vulnerable moments. they yeah. that, that stuff just very rarely. I think there was a moment recently on Seth Meyers that he had a problem with a cue card with Wally, who I know, ferriston and it was this really cool exchange but it's it, it just seems that those moments very rarely happen
1: tell uh, let's talk about Ed Ames uh to a little more in detail because it was interesting and scott, thank you scott ragowski for, for uh, oh my gosh. For making that happen and yeah. he's still with us even uh, ed Ames uh, is to, still to singing this, yeah wow. he's he still incredible he's, he's still out there but the yeah. famous tomahawk oh yeah with he the, throws
0: with the, it and it hits the uh target in the crotch right, right. listen right.
1: And he was – and I found out from your, listening to your episode that he didn't know what he was doing. He wasn't an experienced uh, – they, they sell him like
2: because he, he's <laughs> playing – what That's character true. was he playing? He was in Daniel Boone, oh, right? Daniel
1: Boone. Yeah. And, and uh, they they sell yeah. him like, oh, I, 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 come yeah.
2: he's an experienced – he had no idea. He had no idea. And it was one of those things where – He's teaching the rotation of the axe, but – and and you can see, it. I mean, Johnny's brilliance. I mean, he hits the crotch, the audience explodes, and Ed Ames is, goes for the, he's going to go pick the, the axe out, and Johnny stops him. And it has been called, and I don't know how, if this is an actual record, but it has been called the longest sustained laugh from a studio audience. And if you go to YouTube and you watch the clip, it, it very may well be. He's got great instincts, because Ames is about to go retrieve the
1: axe. Johnny pulls on him, stops him. And he he kills time by pretending he's sharpening the yeah. two axes. waits for the waits for the audience to to die down because he's got the line
2: because he's got the saver. And yeah. what is that? It? It's like don't tell something about being Jewish. He oh, says, "I didn't know like, you were Jewish. Jewish." Yeah.
0: And then he also, I I think before that, great great television. He he
2: says to him, he goes, I don't think you can hurt him any worse. (laughs) 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 But again, the first ten years, I mean, almost everything was wiped. Was Groucho on the first episode? Yeah, the first episode was was actually the first fifteen minutes was all Groucho. Can you imagine, Gil? Wow, wiped out, erased. Oh, it's Groucho with the first fifteen minutes. He introduces Carson, and you had six months of America waiting to see Johnny while he was contractually obligated to ABC. They would not allow him out of his contract, so you had the six months He's doing the game show. Uh, six months of of guest hosts, where you had Mort Saul, you had Jerry Lewis, you had uh, Jimmy Dean, you had um, Merv Griffin, you you had um, I'm trying to think who else, but you had this parade of, of Jack Carter of the guest mm-hmm. hosts. Leading up in Skitch, Henderson, and Hugh Downs. That's and right. And then leading up to October 1st, 62, where you had Groucho Marx. And it was this people I don't know if people know what a big media uh, event this thing was. I mean, it was so built up. And, and Johnny um, has Groucho bring him on after 15 minutes. And then it's Mel Brooks, 36 year old Mel Brooks, 36 year old uh, Tony Bennett, uh, Rudy Valley, and Joan Crawford. How about that? Wow. Gone to the, first, dust, the first dustbin of, of history. All, the the idea
0: that mel brooks and tony bennett were ever thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: 36 but yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> and Br- brooks brooks did this thing he did he reverted to Borscht Belt and he got up on his desk and he was actually he told me that tony bennett was ticked because he was making fun of tony bennett he was mocking tony bennett singing high. and somebody told me and i don't know if this is true that that's when tony bennett was debuting i left my heart in san francisco
1: wow 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 yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna stop but this is so good we're gonna come back for a part two let's do it what do you think of that app i like it huh gill uh yes there's more there's more there's more Carson to come. <laughs> There'll be more Carson to come. And <laughs> Gilbert's going to throw an axe in at a dummy. End of... <laughs>
0: <laughs> our first part one of Gilbert Godfrey... Of Gilbert... <laughs> <laughs> one day I'll get the just, title right. Let's just rename it. Gilbert and Frank's amazing, colossal obsessions, The Carson Years.
1: Yes, uh, we're back with more Mark Malkoff... Colossal
0: Obsessions. Colossal Obsession!